From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me. It's Mike. This is Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for downloading this podcast. Hope you're doing well. As I've got kind of a voice. It's kind of a weird month for me health-wise. I was fighting something off and on uh, the past week heading into the new year and I'm was probably the best I have felt since last Wednesday but I keep losing my voice throughout the winter and it might be because of the place I work at because of the dry conditions but uh, do have a glass of water I will uh, trudge through this best I can hopefully no coffin fits I think I think I'm ready to go here I'm, my daughter my oldest daughter Lana ready to go earlier today uh, her first day back to school pre-k uh, she had two weeks off for uh, the Christmas, New Year's celebration, or as they like to call it, the winter holiday. Winter winter break, whatever they want to do. Winter break sounds like generic, but uh, uh, yeah, she, she enjoyed her time off. Uh, you know, She loved going to the library, um, but she especially likes getting back to school, learning stuff. And she's a smart kid, too. Like, uh, the other night, I was sitting there listening to her count all the way to 100 she had a little misstep at 76 but considering she's five i mean that's that's pretty good so and she, she just forgot 76 but uh she's back at school loving it more than i ever did and uh, we're pretty much done with the holidays right well I, I we're almost done with the holidays the tree is still up downstairs in the living room um and the christmas lights are still up and and yeah i'll get to all that stuff this weekend take it down put it in the boxes but uh, I don't mind dragging my feet on that just because it's cold as hell I don't, I don't know there are some people I know uh, there's someone in particular I'm not going to name this person but I guess he and his wife uh, Christmas morning as soon as the presents are all opened and unwrapped and uh, put away they take down all the Christmas decorations they are done that quick I'm not so much in that uh, time frame. I'm like, okay, get it up the week before Thanksgiving, and then if the weather's nice, the week after New Year's. And it looks to be kind of a cold weekend, but uh, I'll I'll work on that. As long as they're not up around April, I think we're all good. I'm good. All right. uh, It's been a rough week for celebrities. I mean, we um, uh, last week we had the passings of uh, Pele, uh, Pope Benedict, the former Pope. as well as Barbara Walters, but uh, celebrities is getting beat up right now. Uh, Jeremy Renner looks to be doing a lot better. He's still, I think he's like in stable but critical condition out there, out west. He, uh, uh, I guess uh, about uh, a couple days back, uh, had a family member get stuck in the snow and he was trying to get him out with a piece of machinery and uh, he fell off the machinery, ran him over. Lost a lot of blood, damage to his legs. I guess uh, they had to do some emergency surgery. Uh, the dude was able to post a picture of himself from the hospital, Instagram. He's wearing pair of glasses. He looks beat up. But uh, it beats the alternative. But uh, hopefully Jeremy Renner can be uh, up and at it once again. He's got that show on Paramount Plus and uh, a bunch of other projects. Uh, Martina Navratilova. A little more on the serious side here. As if that wasn't serious enough. Uh, she is battling two forms of cancer right now. 66 years old, throat cancer, and breast cancer. And uh, she's just one of the all-time greatest competitors of anything. 18 Grand Slams, Hall of Famer in tennis. 
just just a pro's pro, and uh, she's dealing with what she's dealing with, and hopefully she can get through it a-okay. Uh, we'll pray for uh, both her recovery and uh, Mr. Renner's recovery. And uh, right now, I think a lot of people are praying for uh, DeMar Hamlin's recovery. Buffalo Bill, safety, uh, Monday Night Football. And it's surreal uh, thinking about all the posts I saw on social media leading up to that game. Because it big game down in Cincinnati. Bengals and Bills uh, determining seating for the AFC uh, for the upcoming playoffs. Bills are doing great. Bill, uh, Bengals are doing great. Um, and in the first quarter, 7-3, and uh, Hamlin made a p- uh, play on uh, T. Higgins, the uh, the receiver for the Bengals. And uh, they, they thankfully ESPN, I, I turned on the game 10 minutes after the incident happened. Um, I, I don't know if I would say I was fortunate or unfortunate. I, I had to see what happened to comment on it. Uh, and the way it looked, uh, so I, I found this on the Internet, uh, Hamlin made a play for the ball. This looked to be a clean tackle. There's no dirty play from Higgins either. It was just it was just one of those things. It's a football injury freak thing, and it looked like he kind of rolled on his head. Um, his his chest hit T Higgins' head, and they kind of rolled. And he gets up, and then he falls back down. He had cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, they had to revive him there. They had to revive him again at the hospital. Uh, they were able to stabilize him, but very scary shit. All the same, uh, I guess there has been some improvement in his condition. Um, but yeah, not. I don't think it was a dirty play at all. Um, but uh, you know, they they stopped the game and they postponed it. I thought they were going to play it tonight, Wednesday night. That would make it a lot more sense. But uh, uh, there will. Uh, I guess Goodell says no. There there will not be any game this week with the Bills and Bengals. They will play their games this weekend. Uh, the, you know, they still have to make that up or continue that. I just don't know when or how they're going to do this and uh, what this will do to the playoff scenarios. Because as soon as uh, this weekend's over, ideally, you go into the playoffs here. Um, but uh, we'll see more about that. But the players, I mean, I look, it's, it's one thing when a player breaks his leg or, you know, uh, gets the wind knocked out of him and gets concussed. You know, there's some pretty horrific injuries in football. You cart him off the field and play resumes. It's another thing entirely when a dude stops breathing. So I kind of understand uh, putting that off. Everybody's got an opinion about it. Um, but I, I hope he, he does recover. Uh, one, one good thing to come out of this, one silver lining, uh, uh, the young man, uh, Damar Hamlin, has a toy drive every year. And I think the goal is always to raise like a few thousand dollars uh, to help kids in the Buffalo area, uh, you know, go and get toys for Christmas and all that. Just a few thousand dollars, no, nothing extravagant. And uh, I guess the charity has now seen an influx of millions of dollars, and uh, the first wave would come from Bengal fans. Uh, just to prove not everybody's a solo Skip Bayless, and more on that here in just a few moments. Uh, but everybody kind of getting in on the act. I think the Houston Texans um, sent like $10,000 to it uh jim ursay in one of more it was more coherent moments sent twenty five thousand three dollars the last number being three because of uh, uh demar hamlin's uh jersey but um you know good sentiment and uh one positive thing to happen through all this craziness now um 
looking looking at this, and I, I kind of have to, you know, I'm probably going to go long on this topic here because that's the thing everybody's been talking about the last couple of days. But um, uh, it, it is important to note that T. Higgins probably feels bad about what happened, and he didn't do anything. He was just he was a receiver. You know, Demar Hamlin is um, a safety, and um, he just hit wrong, and uh, and it caused cardiac arrest. It was not anybody's fault in particular. Okay, and so you get no finger pointing, and not that I've seen any, uh, but you know how these thing pieces go on the internet. And I saw one saying, you know, no one blamed T. Higgins. And I'm thinking, well, who the hell's doing that? I haven't seen that. But again, think pieces, right? Um, but but seeing what has happened to Demar Hamlin and, and how precarious life is, and, and don't get me wrong, I am not a flag football. Let's regulate the hell out of the sport type of guy. Because this was a freak thing. This was a very freak thing. I mean, uh, reading what one cardiologist said, this was like a one in a billion thing where the helmet hit the chest just at the right time. And that's what happened. Like, it just it hit the heart at the right time and it stopped it. And that's just some crazy crap to think about right there. Um, but it did get me thinking about... Is the NFL expecting way too much about its, from its players? Because two years ago, this weekend, this past weekend, would have been the last weekend of the NFL regular season. You know, 16 games over 17 weeks. Now we have 17 games over 18 weeks. We're wrapping it up. And I know Goodell wants to put in 18 weeks. And there's no other bye week for that. And, you know, expand the playoffs and have players play all around the world like London and Germany and Japan and all this other stuff. Um, that could be a bit taxing. And it could wear players down. Would it, if you kept doing this, would it set up situations like this where more players were susceptible to freak accidents? I know it sounds a little bit paranoid here, but I mean... It does give you a little pause for thought in that whole scenario. I mean, if I was commissioner of the NFL, I would think about my P1s. And for those who've listened to the podcast, P1s is a reference to your primary audience in radio, with radio stations, um, back when they kind of cared about that sort of thing. Um, but uh, <clears throat> with, with your primary football fans, you're talking about the people that live here in the United States that watch it, that have suffered through their teams and all that fun stuff. That uh, buy the jerseys, buy the tickets, you know, go to the sports bars, go to the games, you know, watch it like uh, a religious experience every friggin' week during the season. But it just seems like the NFL is kind of getting away from that, trying to make it more of an international brand. And I don't know how uh, feasible that really is because I don't see a lot of other countries latching onto football like we have. I mean, we've got it from Pop Warner all the way up to pro. We got people playing flag football and touch football and tackle football on the weekends with their buddies. You got fantasy football. I mean, it's 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 in America, football is a very very popular thing, and it seems like uh, the move now is to kind of move on from the United States. If you get me, I mean, to bigger TV markets, you know, where more eyeballs could be watching the games. Not that Los Angeles is a European city, mind you. But, I mean, there was this big push to get the Rams back to L.A., to get the Chargers up to L.A., to have two football teams 
in the second biggest city in the United States again. So, you know, there is that push to, you know, go to London, maybe go Mexico City. Um, maybe, you know, they got a few games now in Germany. And uh, to do that, you have to have athletes travel to those cities. And it might be fun to do a little tourism type stuff, but, you know, road games, that's exhausting. I mean, imagine being a, you know, player from the East Coast going on a West Coast game and the time change. And now you got to think about, you know, somebody from uh, San Francisco, the 49ers traveling all the way to London. You know, there needs to be a real, real deep thinking about this where the NFL wants to go. And I think if they stay closer to home, it'll be better for fans and it'll be better for the health of athletes. So maybe they need to stop doing that and maybe go back to the 16-game season and maybe not have so many teams in the playoffs and maybe not have preseason games and maybe not have so many Thursday night games. Let your players rest. Let them re realize that they are, yeah, they're kind of your employees, but at the same time, they're not robots. So, I don't know. Um, but, but you know, I saw this with Der DeMar Hamlin, and I'd rather, you know, scale back on the expansion in the NFL than start going, well, let's start wrapping our players in bubble tape. Let's be more reasonable about the expectation of an athlete. Um, now, uh, before I get to skip dumbass, um, ESPN, a lot of people were talking about uh, whether or not their coverage of what was going on with DeMar Hamlin was good. And for, for what it was, I don't think it was bad. I mean, I rag on ESPN a lot, and I will continue to do so in, um, in the future. But, I mean, when something like that happens on live TV, and you don't know what's going on, you don't want to just break away from it. Right? If, if you don't know if the game's... Because they didn't know if the game was going to get played or not. And it ends up that it's not. And they didn't know what was going on with DeMar Hamlin. You know? and, and there's still a little bit of mystery there. Although, you know, just kind of the vague, it seems like he's improving uh, from the hospital and from, uh, from family and friends. Which, okay, which is fine. I don't need to know much more than that. We'll find out all in due course. But, I mean, when that stuff's happening and you're just trying to cover a football game, you, you kind of have to stick with it. And uh, I think they did very well. Uh, the Susie Colbert um, uh, and, and everybody at the uh, ESPN desk. Uh, Booger McFarlane surprised me. I mean, I usually rag on that dude, and he was very somber and very, very eloquent about what uh, uh, needed to be done. Uh, he said, you know, break away from this. Um, but, you know, I think for all that happened, uh, they did pretty well, but I, I did read on Twitter one guy, um, a sports guy out of Indy, saying, hey, you know, the longer you stick with this thing, the more it looks like you kind of want the game to play, and it's a bad look. And he was, he was kind of paraphrasing something, uh, you know, somebody, or a professional told him, and that kind of makes sense, and I get where he's coming from, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Say, like, with uh, Skip Bayless in his tweet, and, man, this guy's a shithead. Um, and there, there has been some division about um, uh, about what was said. And my first reaction when I saw this tweet was "eat shit, Skip Bayless." Um, and you know, I, I posted this on a, another social media site, and uh, I, I had a friend say, "Well, you know, this could be more of a uh, an instance where we're more enraged about the, the person who tweeted it than the tweet itself, and there might be something to that." Had this been tweeted by somebody else who doesn't have a bad track record, I don't think anybody would care as much. You know, somebody with a little more um, 
of a somberness, a little more uh, deft, a little more tact. Skip Bayless has no tact. But as it, all this was going on, he tweeted, quote, and I have this written down here, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. End quote. So, I think <laughs> when, when that happened, everybody lost their mind and everybody dug into their own trenches. I, I think had somebody else tweeted this, um, and, and I don't know, say, um, say like if Tony Dungy tweeted this, He's not a controversial guy. You wouldn't think twice about it. You'd just be like, well, okay, maybe he shouldn't have tweeted it now, but he's got a point. And do we play this game? But Skip doesn't have that tact, and I think that's what happened. And, uh, you know, he tried to explain it away on Twitter. He tried to explain it on his little, uh, uh, you know, football, you know, view show. And uh, he, he flew solo Tuesday after that. For some odd reason, Shannon Sharp was in studio, but he was in today, and uh, I think within 40 seconds of the show, they started arguing. And I would tell you more about this, but I, I don't watch those shows because uh, a lot of daytime sports talk shows are bullshit. Um, they're, they're two guys always screaming at each other, yelling at each other, and the thing is, is like, kind of going back in the day when Mike Greenberg and... Uh, 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 Mike Golick, Mike and Mike on ESPN. I mean, it, their show made sense 6 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, drive time on radio, television, as people were getting ready for work, prepping for people for water cooler talk when they got to work. Dudes, guys, gals, you know, you know the latest thing about whatever was going on in sports. Those shows made sense because you were going to work. Uh, the Skip and Shannon show are on at like 9 in the morning when everybody tentatively is at work. And a lot of these sports talking head shows are on tentatively while everybody is on at work. And it dawned on me when I was reading about uh, the, the argument, the little tiff uh, that Shannon and Skip had. And, and by the way, Skip and Shannon, uh, uh, I guess, got into some little bitch about something a couple weeks back. This is the male version of The View. Yeah, it really is, because you got two people, very opinionated, you know, yelling and screaming and telling everybody, this is the way it should be. And by everybody, I mean the unemployed. People that are not out actively doing things. They're at, they're at home for some odd reason thinking, hey, it's 9 in the morning, I better watch these two scream at each other. So that that yeah, it's on FS1 and nobody watches that. Um, and it's you know it's like the view. Whoopi and Joy say stupid things like uh, just recently because of this whole Demar Hamlin thing. Um, uh, Joy Behar is blaming heterosexual white men for football being popular. Go play tennis or golf or something. And uh, it's a dumb opinion, and it would offend me if I watched the view. Um, so. Why are we getting worked up about people on shows that no one who is productive has time to go and watch? Makes no sense. Uh, but, but you know, wrapping up everything with DeMar Hamlin, just you know, your thoughts and your prayers should go out to him and his family. Pray that he makes a full recovery, even if he never goes back out on the football field again. Just, just you know, the 
the ability to walk and talk and be productive and live a long life afterward is important. And this this whole toy drive thing, going back to that, is just stupendous. It's it's great. It makes me feel good about humanity. Uh, one thing, excuse me, I need to kind of check something here. Uh, one thing uh, that does not make me feel good about humanity is CNN. Um, just because. There's a lot of a-holes on that network and a lot of entitled a-holes at that. And it, um, this was a story I wanted to kind of get to. I, I, I touched about upon it briefly uh, a few days back, uh, just after the New Year. You know, they had their whole New Year's Eve celebration, and uh, there's a big thing about how they're not allowed to drink on air uh, because things get a little raunchy. And I think the new guy running CNN wants his, his uh, anchors to have a little more integrity and if people see them slurring the words live on television they may not be trustworthy down the road who would have thought right um, and um, I guess as they were counting down the new year um, down in New Orleans Don Lemon who um, I, I've never I, I can't imagine this guy having a good time ever because he just seems so serious and stuck on himself I guess he was on stage as Juvenile was uh, doing back that ass up yeah and um, you know it's it's an oldie but a goldie, and as the clock was ticking down, uh, there you know they're you know up there going back ten days up, and they missed the clock striking twelve, the, the countdown in New Orleans for the Central Daylight, uh, the Central D, uh, whatever Central Time Zone, and and just screwed that up on air, which was funny, but uh, going back to the drinking thing, there's something to it. And you know who uh, backs me up on this is Ryan frickin' Seacrest, of all people. Um, because he hosts Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve on the ABC. And the dude's been hosting things since uh, 2000, American Idol. Now he's got the, the Him and Kelly show, or the Kelly and Him show. And now he's got Dick Clark's old gig. And uh, he says, you know what, I, I don't drink on air. You know, and he's hosting the biggest party in the world. He's hosting the biggest freaking party on in the world, and he's going, I don't drink on air. It's not professional. You know, I can see why CNN wants to scale it back, and I guess some people are raking him over the coals for this. And it, it takes um, drunk a-holes at CNN to make me defend Ryan Seacrest. As somebody who was on 98.9 The Bear for five and a half years here in Fort Wayne, I was, I was never on air drunk ever i didn't i didn't drink beer until after a live remote was done after uh, a contest was done um you know after my show was done, i never went on air wasted now and, and I'll, I'll even say this it has been well over seven years since i had a hangover like i've not been sloppy drunk in over seven years I haven't blacked out in seven years and uh, I feel a lot better for it. But there's a, there's a th reason for this. Is like, you know, first of all, if you're on radio or on television, yet yeah, the FCC is going to be watching you just a little bit here. They're going to be listening to you a little bit. Secondly, uh, you know, you have to be ready for whatever could go wrong. You're hosting the party, but that doesn't mean you're partying, man. This is your gig. You know, you have to be a kind of mindful of what's going on. And more people will trust you if you know what you're doing. I know that's a foreign concept to everybody over there at CNN, but, you know, Ryan Seacrest has got this down. And I, I don't recall any controversies with him 
doing his show. It's just like, oh yeah, he's doing CNN. He, or no, he's not doing CNN. He's not an idiot. He's he's doing his gig on ABC, and uh, once again, the ball drop went off without a hitch. You know, I'm not saying that Ryan Seacrest doesn't have booze on New Year's Eve. I'm just saying once the cameras and microphone are off and he's done, then he goes and parties and maybe has a drink. That's what I did. Because, you know, you don't want to get into trouble and you, you want to make sure things go a-okay. And to me, that, uh, what was it, um, Andy Cohen, I know he's not an official member of CNN, but like for him to kind of, you know, joke about it and, you know, bash Ryan Seacrest for that, I guarantee goddamn tea that Seacrest's uh, ratings are a lot better than CNN's. I'm just, I'm still trying to look for the numbers. I don't know if anybody's uh, posted them yet or not. No two cents, though. I mean, you got you to be professional when uh, when on air and when doing things in front of a whole bunch of people. Foo Fighters have been doing uh, things in front of a whole bunch of people for a long time now. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They've put out several albums and a great live band. And unfortunately, this past year, uh, they lost a major, major part of their band. Uh, Taylor Hawkins uh, died at the age of 50. Drug overdose. Uh, still, one, still one of the more... Uh, it's, it's never good when anybody dies, but uh, this one, that rock death just bummed me the hell out because I, I saw him live, and that dude could just throw sticks. He's one of the better drummers of uh, the last 25, 30 years. But uh, Foo Fighters, despite his departure, say they will go on. They will continue to tour. They will continue to make albums. And uh, Taylor's going to be with them every step of the way. And uh, I've never met Taylor Hawkins, but given, given his nature, I think he would approve these guys going on and doing what they do. Plus, you got to understand that now Dave Grohl has been in this situation before, unfortunately, uh, with Kurt Cobain. And uh, when I was reading his Storyteller book, uh, and this was this book was written before, unfortunately, a Taylor's death, uh, he was talking about how after Nirvana dissolved, after Kurt Cobain's suicide, he tried hiding away for about a year in Ireland, and it really wasn't working out. Uh, so it finally took him just getting back in the studio and, uh, you know, recording a demo that would ultimately be Foo Fighters. And then out of the blue, Tom Petty's people asking him if he wanted to drum for the Heartbreakers during their appearance on Saturday Night Live, which is pretty cool by my book. Uh, so, you know, those things kept him out of that dark hole. And I think that's uh, beneficial to uh, to the guys in the band if they want to continue each and every one of them as members of Foo Fighters. And, it, and that's a t difficult call, too, for any rock band when they lose a member. Do you go on or is that it? Again, their call, and I totally get it. Um, all right. Uh, I'm running out of time here. Uh, a couple things here. Uh, one, should medical professionals be making TikTok videos of themselves um, on the clock. And I asked this, I got this posted on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. That weird noise you hear, by the way, is my voice. It's squeaking and clicking for some odd reason. Uh, this nurse posted a video of herself kind of walking into the shot and crying after losing a patient. I guess to demonstrate how terrible and how hard the job can be. And I think a lot of us know like, we'll never know, no, but we know, we have an idea that, yes, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're in the medical industry, you run into some pretty hard truths every now and again. But uh, this woman's getting raked over the coals because, again, uh, this looks like this camera has been posted for, like, like this was a planned thing, planned shot. This isn't like, you know, 
her walking out shaky cam. And then she starts crying about this, and it kind of kills the confidentiality of the moment. You know, the, uh, uh, you know, kind of that private wall within a hospital with, with patients. No one dead is shown in the shot, but it's just, it's really weird. It's kind of uh, narcissistic, and a lot of people are calling her out for that. Yeah, but let's let's take this uh, to another level here. Could you imagine a TikTok video, homicide scene, dead body on the ground, a detective walks over to the body, sees it, throws himself on the body, and starts crying. Or firefighters too late to stop a burning home, breaking down and crying as the home continues to burn. Yeah. We get it. We know it's a hard job. We'll, again, never know, no, but we kind of have an idea, no. You don't need to do this, and you will get raked over the coals. All right, maybe I got two, uh, time for two things here. <clears throat> uh, Lake uh, Saint, was it Lake Superior State University up there in the Great Lakes? Every year they have this pretentious banned list of uh, words that need to be banned, and uh, this year's list is kind of lame. And not just because they want to ban words, but there aren't a whole lot of words on here that really stand out to me. I guess the top one is GOAT. G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. Like, oh, this person's the GOAT. Go to football, go to boxing, go to uh, pickleball. You know, okay, I, I get that's overused, but everything else is like, okay, inflection point, moving forward, amazing, does it make sense? Ir irregardless, that's still floating around. Absolutely, and it is what it is. Uh, gaslighting is on the list. I have no problem uh, with that being used because uh, given some of the things that have been happening on Twitter with the Twitter files, there has been some gaslighting out there in the last day, year or two. So, no, I don't think that's been overused. I think, if anything, it's been underused. It needs to be used more uh, in context to some of the prior things that we've been learning. And uh, quiet quitting, I think, should belong on the list because either you're sticking with the job or you're not. You're done with it. Don't you? If you... If you're not working hard, you're just half-assing it. That's not that's not quite quitting. All right, and finally, uh, it was Olivia Hussey. <laughs> that's a hell of a name for this one. Leonard Whiting. Uh, fifty years ago, this couple was, or damn near fifty years ago, over fifty years ago. That was like fifty-six years ago. Holy crap! Uh, for Paramount, they starred in Romeo and Juliet, and that version of the movie got shown in a lot of classrooms, and I guess. Uh, they were about 15, 16 at the time, and they were naked for a couple scenes. Never seen it, have no desire to see it. And, you know, for the longest time, they said nothing. In fact, I think one of them in a recent interview about two or three years back was talking about, uh, oh, oh, like, you know, the kids being naked on camera. Oh, that's not a big deal. We, it was for artistic expression. It was tasteful. It was not dirty, blah, 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 whatever. Well, now they have changed their minds, and they're trying to sue Paramount Pictures for just a mere $500 million, saying they were exploited. 50 years later, they decided to do this. I'm telling you, man, it's the Nirvana penis baby revolution. That should be it, the Nirvana baby penis uh, class action lawsuit. You know, start getting more people jamming on, uh, on their youthful nakedness. Don't condone it, but it's just like, why are you waiting this long to sue, right? Me money. All right, I got to go uh, get my voice back. Until next podcast, stay fresh. Cheers, guys.
You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 